welcome to the Is That So podcast. My name is Sahela and I am the host and chief content officer here at the Is That So podcast. Follow along each week as I share stories, pose questions, and provide insights on various wellness, travel, and relationship topics aimed to help us all navigate through this rapidly evolving modern world a little bit easier. Here at the Is That So podcast, we believe that life should always be a work in progress. So come learn, laugh, and listen in on unfiltered stories and conversations so that we can open new doors to inspiration, happiness, and forward thinking together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Is That So podcast. Today on the podcast, I have invited dietitian, blogger, and author Andy DeSantis to come on the show and share with us some of the latest research around mood boosters. Welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to uh, get going. Yes, thank you for being here. So I first became interested in talking with Andy after he approached me with some new research around the power of omega-3s and their potential in helping reduce anxiety. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to have him on the show to talk about mood boosters and share some of the latest research with us in that realm? So here we are. Personally, I have dabbled with different mood boosters like vitamin D and CBD and have found them both to be very helpful when it comes to coping with my anxiety and depression. But I have never really looked into the research and findings behind clinical trials. So I'm very excited to see what Andy has to say today. Further, I know from one of our previous episodes that there is a lot of research linking the state of one's gut health to depression, so I'm not really surprised by the possibility and potential of omega-3s and how our diet can impact the state of our mental health. But before we dive into our conversation about mood boosters, I always like to start off with having my guests give a little bit of context as to their professional background and origin story. So Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you found your calling? All right, absolutely. Well, my story is a bit uh, cliche in that, you know, I wasn't the healthiest uh, kid growing up and I kind of realized that I need to do something about that. And when I started to, you know, get interested in food, I started to eat healthier. I found that, you know, my quality of life, my self-confidence, all that good stuff followed. The only problem was it just took me forever to figure out how to really eat in a way that worked for me. And and I kind of came to the realization that it can't take five years and like all these different phases. There's got to be an easier way. And I try to fill that role for people now. And so that's what I do. Uh, I try and, you know, cut three years of experimentation off of uh, people's lives and, and just teach them how to be as, as healthy as possible. Just because I truly, as cliche as it sounds, I, I truly do believe in the power of food. And I do think food changes lives. And so that led to me on social media, that led to blogging, led to the books, led to my private practice. And uh, it all came from there. And I definitely have a special passion for for mental health nutrition because one of my closest friends was a was a mental health researcher and it meant a lot to him. And as a result, it means a lot to me. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I feel like we all can learn how to develop better eating habits and just improve in that whole realm generally because they don't teach us that stuff in school. And I really think that they should because those are our years of growth, not just biologically, but in terms of education. And so I really love that you're helping people shave those three years exactly. off of <laughs> experimentation and just giving them the facts straight 
straight up. So I know you just mentioned that your friend has a big role within the mental health field, but I was just curious, as a dietitian, has anyone ever come to you for support and counseling as to how to improve their diet as a way of improving their mental health? Or do you feel like that is somewhat of a new discovery? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. But in different capacities, you know what I mean? It's not unusual for someone to come in with a primary goal to say, listen, you know, I need to learn how to to wrap my head around the foods that are best for me. And one of my big motivations is I don't feel the way I want to feel. And that comes out in that way. You know what I mean? And, and so there's there's the idea that, okay, I want to get these key dietary components to optimize my physiology so I can do everything I can to feel the best I can. And so you get that. But then you also get people who how they think about food, how they interact with food is not necessarily healthy, Mm -hmm. right? And that puts a strain on their mental health. So when it comes to the interaction with food and mental health, and I know we're going to talk a lot today about the specific nutrients, which is really, really important. And there's the other component, which is how you think about food, right? So it kind of, it kind of comes in two different forms, but that's my long way of saying, yeah, absolutely. They do. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So um, what does this research you found about the power of omega-3 indicate? And do these new findings give you hope that you can offer further support to your clients who have mental health as well as dietary issues? Yeah, I mean, omega-3s particularly, they're a, it's a buzzword, right? It's, it's If you go on Amazon, you look at the top selling supplements, omega-3s are going to be up there. You know what I mean? They generate so much interest around their, you know, their anti-inflammatory capabilities, you know, our our cell membranes, they want to have omega-3s in them because it changes the way our cells signal with each other. But if you don't eat omega-3s, you can't facilitate that. And so when you look at the research, I mean, look, is it conclusive that if you take an omega-3 supplement, it's going to have a drastic impact on your anxiety? It's perhaps not at that level. But look, we know that omega-3s are not found in very many foods. We know that they're popular to supplement. We know that they're being increasingly associated with mental health, reduced risk, or reduced symptoms of anxiety and depression. And so for me, that's enough to say, listen, like, let's make sure that your omega-3 intake is on point. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, well, even when you sent me a bunch of the resources that you were going to talk about today, what I found to be super interesting that they mentioned is the correlation between postpartum depression and a deficiency in omega-3s. And so obviously people, women, not people, because it's women that get pregnant, (laughs) Um, but they're like told not to eat a lot of fish and stuff like that. And so, you know, it kind of makes sense that there might be a correlation there. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the individual and how they're advised, right? If If they're fortunate enough to be working with a dietitian in some capacity, whether it's public in the hospital system or private, someone like myself, I mean, the reality is this, is that Yes, certain fish are higher in mercury and are not necessarily appropriate to have the large amounts during pregnancy, but that doesn't mean that's the case for all fish. Mm -hmm. Now, for example, many types of salmon, sardines are high in omega-3s, not particularly high in mercury. Shrimp is another food that's not particularly high in mercury based on the numbers that I've seen that has some omega-3 fatty acids. On top of that, though, we also face the reality that stuff like flaxseed, chia seeds, and walnuts, those are great sources of Mm omega-3s, but they contain a different type of omega-3 than fish do, right? And the omega-3s found in fish, DHA and EPA, are the ones that are more strongly associated with good mental health outcomes. So it becomes this whole kind of complex thing. But I could totally see how, you know, a a pregnant woman who may try and self-educate, let's say, and perhaps doesn't get a chance to speak with a dietitian or not for a a long period of time, may make the decision, the conclusion, 
that they're not going to eat fish over concerns over mercury, which is reasonable. And that could lead to problems in terms of omega-3 intake. But omega-3 intake is very important for the development of a child and very important for the mental health and overall health of, of the mother as well. Yeah. And I believe like even there's a certain balance between how much omega-3 and how much omega-6 that you should have before it starts to bring on inflammation. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's another topic of interest as well. It's like the omega-3 to the omega-6 ratio. And then, you know, the omega-6, you get a lot of, they, they're found in a lot of vegetable oils, which end up in high amounts in, in, in baked goods and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other end, omega-3s, they're found in fish and nuts and seeds. So there's a contrast in the types of foods you're eating. But I would say, you know, focus on increasing omega-3 intake because that in itself will alter the ratio anyway. And so through the research that you found, because I also dove into some of the research as well, there is like a lot of potential there, but I'm also seeing that the results were inconclusive. Like they couldn't fully say that they actually impacted someone's anxiety level. So I think that there's still some more research to be done, but there's definitely a promise there of a potential. And, you know, we just already know that gut health does have a link to depression. And so if you have a lot of inflammation or you're not eating right, then yes, it can definitely impact the way you're feeling. But um, do you know if there are any any other supplements that you have heard of that show potential promise as being mood boosters? Yeah, I mean, so to your point, you know, gut health is getting, it will, we'll put it this way, it's increasingly linked with with mental health outcomes, right? And so there's this whole, there's this whole new field, you know, called, it's it, they're called psychobiotics. And it's just a fancy word for saying, you know, that certain types of probiotic strains have shown some promise to reduce the symptoms of depression and anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So, so probiotic supplementation, you know what I mean? And I would encourage people to, to you know, look at some of the studies that we've posted and that they're fortunate enough to speak with a healthcare professional. But there, there's certain probiotics or can be shown to improve, you know, the symptoms of anxiety and depression. And that's one of those ones where it's a, a potential, like a low risk, high reward type of supplement. So that's definitely one. You know, there's a lot of evidence uh, about vitamin D intake mm-hmm. and symptoms of depression. There's definitely some a potential association there. Now, the reality is, you know, you and I, we're from Canada, yeah. right? Now in Canada, half the year, the sun is very weak, okay? Which means that we don't get that much uh, vitamin D from it, yeah. which is why about 40%, this is based on Statistics Canada data, and actually we can put this link as well and for people to look at, 40% of Canadians have kind of suboptimal vitamin D levels in the winter, yeah. right? So that's problematic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's an issue. Now, where that gets very interesting is going back to fish intake. Now, the only food that has a lot of vitamin D and a lot of omega-3 in the same place is fish, right? Really? Yes. That becomes very interesting because fish intake, you know, on the observational level, low fish intake is associated with an increased risk of depression. So again, they're increasing interest there. So if you don't like fish, you know, fish oil supplement could be an option and, and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. Yes. I find that Canadians are big meat eaters too. So it's funny to see that fish is where you can get vitamin D too. I would have never guessed. It is. Yes. It is the, it's the largest source of vitamin D. Vitamin D, I like to describe it like as elusive. It's just not many foods that contain it. Fish is the main one. And it's not unusual for people not to like fish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I work with a lot of people and you know, people are more likely not to like fish than they are to not to like apples. Really? Or what's very common is their partner doesn't like fish. They can't cook it at home. That happens all the time. You'd be surprised how often someone's like, listen, Andy, I like fish, but my my boyfriend or my girlfriend, my husband or wife doesn't like it. So I can't have it that much. Well, that happens all the time. <laughs> can you get it from canned fish 
Like if I put canned tuna on my salad, am I getting some vitamin D that way or does it have to be fresh? Yep. No, it could be canned tuna, canned salmon, canned sardines. Sardines are very underrated uh, in my in my book. They're very high in omega-3s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, okay, are they well liked? It depends on the person. But sardines for me are one of the more underrated types of fish. Mm-hmm. I love stinky fish. And yeah, I fell in go. love with sardines ever since I went to Portugal. They have the most amazing grilled sardines. I'll never forget. I yeah, still get my yeah, boyfriend yeah. to make them for me just so I can reminisce about that memory. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? Is you can pan you can pan fry sardines. Yeah, you totally could. I prefer them on the grill though. <laughs> so what other foods have vitamin D in them? You said fish has primarily a higher source, but what other foods have vitamin D in them? So some foods have vitamin D added. Okay. Okay, like milk and milk alternatives. Egg yolk is another one. And that that's interesting as well because you know you'll you'll have seen omega-3 eggs probably in the grocery store. So omega-3 eggs in the yolk, there's gonna be some omega-3 fat and some vitamin D. Now it's gonna be much less than you're gonna find in like a fish like a salmon, but it's the only other food that contains both in the same place. Okay. It would be an omega-3 egg or 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 any egg has vitamin D, omega-3 eggs will then have some omega-3 in them. All right. Yes. So I typically just have vitamin D drops that I will put into my coffee in the morning. And that's how I take my vitamin D. And I find that it does help me with my anxiety and depression. I do have like still low days, but they're not as manic and for as long of a period of time as they were prior. Now, you know, I can't say that it's all because of the vitamin D. Like obviously when you do a lot more meditation and and work out more and take care of yourself more, a lot of things help (laughs) um, and are part of that whole outcome. But I find that it definitely does help me as a mood booster. So that and CBD. Right. But I'm curious to know what the clinical research shows. So can you start off by sharing more about what you found out about CBD? And do you ever recommend CBD to your clients? Yeah, really good questions. Well, for starters, I mean, CBD came on to my radar at the start of covid when I was actually in communication with a uh, CBD company from New York. And we did a little collaboration. I did a great deal of research into it just to see what's there. Because, you know, you hear anecdotally from people that they use CBD. It helps them helps them to relax. It helps them to sleep better. Yeah. And I think the best way to kind of describe the state of the evidence is that there is some evidence out there, some scientific evidence that it does work for these purposes. I've not seen I've not seen evidence about CBD and depression. I've seen a lot about anxiety and sleep. Yeah. But obviously, good sleep is important for mental health, and, and, and you know that's a that's a booster as well. But you hear you can't help but hear the number of people who are are using CBD and who are getting benefit from it. Now, if I feel like a client has interest in discussing the topic, I will definitely direct them to the content I've written about it. I will have an open discussion with them about it. So I, I don't think it's at a place where, you know, CBD is being strongly recommended or prescribed, but we can have a discussion about it if the conversation goes there. We can have an honest discussion about the state of the evidence, which I have to say is not overwhelming, but it's there and it's increasing. And again, we can't deny the the amount of anecdotal interest there is in CBD. And, and just like you said yourself, it's been something that's been a, of net benefit to you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so what exactly did the research show? Could you give us a little bit more information as into like what it netted out with? Well, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the reality is like 
okay, do these super high quality studies exist where we can definitively say CBD is a is like a high functioning uh, treatment for anxiety? No, but there are some studies which I would consider a moderate quality that shows that when people take CBD, yes, in certain contexts, they have a improvement in anxiety symptoms. In certain contexts, their sleep quality improves. That's what we're looking at right now, right? So we don't have those high quality randomized controlled trials, which are definitively saying, yes, CBD is going to change your life in this area. But we have those moderate quality studies that might be observational in nature or, or and everything in between. That is like the step just before those those like gold standard studies. Okay. So that's what we're working with right now. And so it's just a matter of time, I suppose, until we have those more in-depth research that can show us a little bit definitively if there's actual results. Yeah, I think that it's a matter of time before these higher quality studies are done. Now, I guess the issue becomes and this this is this is something that is relevant for everything we're talking about today, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a whole bunch of supplements, you know, that show some promise, but the issue is mental health is so complicated. So it's really, really, really hard to say, okay, this one thing is going to make the difference for you in terms of your depression or anxiety, right? My philosophy is like food doesn't fix everything, but you can't be sure until your nutrition is on point that whatever you're dealing with is not as a result of inadequacies in that area. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, as you know, like mental health is really complicated. So it's hard to say, listen, the presence or absence of CBD is the answer for you. You know what I mean? It could be one of the many answers, but uh, it's tough. It's tough to prove in a study, but, you know, time will tell. Absolutely. And like the thing about mood boosters that I want also everyone to realize is like they're not going to fix any mental health issues that you already have. The whole purpose of them is that you're going to use them as a way to support what already you have in place. If I don't put the work in, if I don't take time to slow down, if I don't practice self-love, if I don't meditate, if I don't go running, if I don't eat better, if I don't get my sleep, it's not going to fix anything. It has to work all together. And that's what mood boosters are for. It's just a possibility, an option, something that has potential to help boost what you already have going on. Right. I say all the stuff we discussed is what I would generally consider low risk and, and, you know, potentially high reward if it works for you. Right. You know, so that's reasonable from that perspective. And I totally agree with that. Another mood booster that I have heard a little bit about, but really don't know anything about, and I'm really hoping you can give us like the full download for it is 5-HTP. So like, what is it? How does it work? What is the latest research around it? Right. Because I feel like it's new. I've never heard of it before, but it just came on my radar. Yeah. So I was looking into this, you know, in preparation for our talk today. And, you know, so what 5-HTP is, is 5-hydroxytryptophan, for anyone who wants to know what the acronym essentially stands for. It's a precursor of the neurotransmitter serotonin. Now, yeah. Serotonin is sometimes referred to as the, the happiness molecule. Yeah, that one I know. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it, it's involved in brain messaging. And generally, serotonin levels are associated with a good mood. Yeah. So as a result of that, the idea of taking a precursor to serotonin has gained some popularity, right? And you can understand why that is based on what I just said. However, as per our discussion of the complexity of mental health and things like that, from what I've seen, 
we don't have strong scientific evidence to say, yeah, you take 5-HTP and it's going to make a really, really meaningful difference in your mental health. Again, could it be classified as a, a low-risk complementary tool? Sure. But I can't say we have strong scientific evidence that this is going to make or break your, your mental health symptoms. In fact, I would argue, based on what I've seen, that the evidence for CBD is stronger, for example. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Based on the state of evidence I've seen right now, I would I would argue that that's the case, that, that there's more evidence that CBD, for example, helps with things related to mental health outcomes than 5-HTP does. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean anecdotally that someone had a better experience with one or the other. But if I look at the current state of, of the research as it is now, that's probably what I would say. That can always change. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. That can always change. And you know, I don't take away from anyone who's had a positive experience using any given supplement. But from what I've seen, that seems to be the case. Right. So I know that there are serotonin-based antidepressants. So people do take a pill that is serotonin-based that helps them with their mood disorders. Is it available over the counter or do you have to get a prescription? Do you know? I would say you could probably go on Amazon right now and order that. I don't believe it's a pharmaceutical prescription or medication. And like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a, uh, you know, I'm an expert of pharmaceutical industry as it relates to mental health, but you're right. Certain medications do act to increase the availability of serotonin because it is associated with improvements in mood. Now, the thing with 5-HTP, theoretically, you think that's what a supplement of 5-HTP would do, but is that actually what takes place in the human body? I think that's something that is still to be determined convincingly. Mm -hmm. And do you know if that is like a synthetically made thing or if it's naturally occurring? Yeah, I mean, so 5-HTP is a, you know, a naturally occurring molecule in the human body. Okay. Um, I can, I'd imagine, I I don't know this, I actually don't know this for a fact. Supplemental form may or may not be synthetically made, but the molecule would be the molecule. So that actually wouldn't matter. Okay. I also, from the previous episode we did and the, and the research that I did in that, they've actually found serotonin in the gut and it's based on the foods that you eat. And so everyone says, you know, have a Mediterranean diet because they have high amounts of olive oil, legumes, fruits, veggies, moderate to high amounts of fish, moderate amounts of wine and dairy, and then low amounts of meat. And like that's supposed to be one of the best diets for your gut, as well as like a plant-based diet. And in order to have that serotonin start to act on your your brain receptors, it, there needs to be a good amount of, I think it's called tryptophan, which I think can be found in a lot of fish. And it's like an amino acid that yeah, helps. Yeah, it's, like, it's an amino acid. Yeah, that helps you to react to the serotonin. You, you know what? Yeah, yeah. But that specific pathway is not something I'm not as familiar with. But you're onto something there as it relates to, you know, the Mediterranean diet, which is rich in, in high fiber plant-based foods, because it's that type of style of eating that we see time and time again, that first of all is associated with better mental health outcomes, but also is associated with healthy populations of gut bacteria, right? So mm-hmm. in order for this, this gut brain connection to be facilitated and supported in the best way, we have to have the right population of healthy bacteria. And we get that by having a diet that is rich and varied in different types of plant fiber, And the Mediterranean style of eating is a perfect example of that. So there's definitely a connection there. And yeah, I mean, it definitely goes beyond that. I I presented on a simple level, but like you said, there's definitely something going on there as it relates to like serotonin and the availability of certain amino acids. That's actually something that uh, I should probably look into more. Yeah. But you know, more research needs to be done on, you know, vitamin D, CBD, omega-3s, H5TP, all of that stuff. So essentially, yeah. And I mean, and and there's two other ones. I know that 
you know, we discussed this briefly. I'll bring it up for the sake of completeness. These are supplements and they're, they're both antioxidant based supplements, right? So one of the things that I, I found, and I, I wrote a blog recently on, on the connection between in dietary intake and anxiety. Okay. And one of the things that came up is, is the amount of antioxidants someone's taking in. Okay. Right. And I know there are two supplements that generate some interest and these are readily available on Amazon. I looked them up. And one of them is based on methionine. The other one's based on cysteine. And they're called NAC is the acronym. You could type this in on Amazon. And the other one is SAME. Now, they stand for some, something long, but the last word on each of them is an antioxidant. One of them is cysteine. One of them is methionine. And there might be something there. There's not a lot of evidence, but it's one of those things where there's, there's some interest in them. There are antioxidant compounds, and they may have some net benefit. Again, they're not going to make or break your mental health, but they are topics that some scientists have looked into. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Good to know. So I guess for you as a dietitian, out of all of these things that we mentioned today, omega-3 is kind of at the top of your list? I would say omega-3s, vitamin D, and then the total dietary antioxidant content, which basically antioxidants come from fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. So basically everything, you know, I mean, the reality is like your mental health, your physical health, a reflection of the overall quality of your diet, right? So as much as it's important to identify individual nutrients, it really is the pattern and the balance on the whole, again, why the Mediterranean diet is so popular as it relates to mental health that really determines your best health. That's my view on it. Okay. Amazing. Well, you already sent me all the links to the research that you mentioned today. And and if people want more information, I'll make sure to link all that stuff in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But before we wrap up this episode, Andy, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So two main places. I mean, my website is andytherd.com. I've got a blog on there. I've been, I've been blogging for, for five years. So I've got content on mental health. I've got content on every single health-related issue as it relates to nutrition. So I encourage people to go there. And if you want a nice laugh, if you want some nutrition humor, you can find me on Instagram, also andytherd. And RD stands for registered dietitian in case people think that comes from. Sometimes they think it says it's Andy the nerd or something, but it's, it's I am a nerd, but it's Andy the RD. So there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Andy, so much. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this information with us. Thanks for having me. Take care. so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the is that so podcast for more information on this episode and all past episodes you can check out my show notes on is that so.com or follow me on instagram at is that so if you enjoyed this episode and want to show your personal support to the podcast simply leave a review on itunes or screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your stories all right friends that's it Tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Is That So podcast. And I look forward to hanging out with you again soon.